Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Matt Chat. This is David Miracatani. Today I'm very excited to be joined by the associate head coach from the University of Iowa, Terry Brands. Terry, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well, man. I appreciate you taking time for us in the middle of the season like this. Uh, no problem. Thanks for having me. How's training going up there? It's going great. Things are things are rolling. You know, we took it on the chin against Oklahoma State last Sunday, so getting ready for Penn State on Friday. Yeah, your guys' schedule this this whole month is just from Midlands on is really really intense. Is that is that something that you guys design, or does the Big Ten put that together for you, or how does that work? Well, Oklahoma State, that's the traditional date in there in, in uh, early to mid-January somewhere where it fits. And, uh, you know, the rest of it is a Big Ten. And we, there's some flexibility there. But for the most part, you know, with the uh, mandate that we wrestle so many Big Tens, it gets tough to move things around. Yeah, so you kind of got murderer's row going on here. Uh, Andy Hamilton and I have talked about it a couple times on our podcast on track. But your guys will definitely be battle-tested, you know, by the Big Tens in the national tournament for sure. Yep, we'll be ready to go. Yeah. Well, um, I gathered up some questions from a couple of my friends, and I'm just going to dive right into this. We're really excited to have you. I guess I'm just going to start at kind of the beginning. Uh, for people that have kids out there, what do you think is the right age to get them involved in wrestling, and, and what age do you think they should start actually competing in wrestling? Uh, that's a really great question. Um, that's interesting that uh, – you know, we talk about it. We 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 talk about this a lot with our Eastern Iowa club and our um, our youth club here coming out of coming out of uh, Carver Hawkeye Arena that we run. And um, I think that the most important thing is you get those kids around wrestling as early as you can, where it's fun for them. They're around it. They're exposed to to uh, the mat. They're they're able to roll around. They're able to play. They're able to have fun and you know, draw a tangent between the fun and the rolling around and the roughhousing and the things that boys should be doing and wrestling. You kind of draw that tangent where it's where it's synonymous with that fun part. And then, you know, the the practice part is tough because I think I'm in the minority here and I don't want to steer somebody who has other ideas away from this. But I like the, you know, third and a half grade to fifth grade starting time for the hard every you know, four, three, four times a week practices. Mm-hmm. And then into your competition, you know, where you're doing maybe two or three tournaments a year and then sixth grade, maybe four. And then seventh grade, you're starting to look at, you know, the state tournament and, and uh, that kind of thing. Whereas you have some of those seventh graders um, doing those schoolboy tours and you start to ramp it up then based on their maturity. I get it. I get it. And you're probably right. There's various, uh, viewpoints on that but it's it definitely makes sense what you're saying so i know that uh, a couple years ago i talked to coach smith from oklahoma state after his son had won a title his freshman year and he spoke about how it's very different going to the state tournament when you're recruiting versus actually having a child in it and i know you've got a son in high school now so i guess first of all how different is it watching nelson you know as opposed to recruiting and what is it like having him wrestle for your old teammate Mark Ryland? Well, he's he's flesh and blood, you know, and and it's you know it's something that it's like he's your own athlete in the way that you know the same way that I feel about you know Thomas Gilman or Corey Clark, right? Um, on the wrestling mat, and you know wanting the best for him, wanting to be able to you know be put forward his best effort every time out and that kind of thing and. When things don't go his way, you know, I take it a little personal. Like maybe I can help him more. I should have done this and and kind of uh, evaluate it that way and how I can help more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the bottom line is, is I wait for him to come to me. He is my son. I am not his coach, and um, he is uh, uh, really a student of the sport. And he does come to me often. And you know, he comes to me with problems. He comes to me with with um, times that are fun and, and he comes to me with in times of success so you know I, I i'm more of a dad to him and more of a you know a sounding board than anything else you know as far as mark ryland um he does a great job i, I love ryland and that's why <laughs> you know we put ourselves into the west high school district here and not the city high district yeah you guys have been friends a long time right you and coach ryland yeah he was uh he came in the same year as i did at iowa and you know he he actually, his team at Eagle Grove, Iowa, won the state tournament the year we were second to them at Shelvin Community High School. And, 
Um, then we both signed the letter of intent here in Iowa, and he was a national champion in 1991 and um, a three-time All-American here and, you know, obviously won both styles his senior year and very accomplished and a great teammate and friend. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's been very helpful to me in, in some of the charitable wrestling meets I run. Whenever I need help in Iowa, he's the guy I call. So He's an awesome guy. He's a great coach. And the thing that I like about him is he lets them grow up. Um, you know, a lot of people say he doesn't have a lot of emotion. And, you know, we used to kid him when he was in college, and we would say, what would you do, get your get your personality at Kmart? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we would say stuff like that to him. But he's just dry. He's got dry humor. He's very, very funny, very smart. Um, and he the thing that I really liked about him watching him, and even when I moved away, uh, is he lets his guys grow up. You know, he's not a rah-rah in your face kind of coach. He's not negative, but you can tell when he's upset and you can also tell when he's pleased. He just doesn't, you know, show it uh, or carry it on a sleeve. And that's been really, really uh, cool to watch. And my, my son loves him and he, he wrestles really, really, I should say, sorry, really, really well for him. It's a great, it's a great combination between the two of them. That's awesome. And you, you said this phrase twice. I want to really make sure because it's something unique. You said he lets them grow up. Do you mean like he lets them make their mistakes and helps them correct them? Or am I or am I misinterpreting that? Or what do you mean exactly by that? Because it's interesting. Well, I mean, letting a guy make a mistake isn't really the right way I would say it necessarily and not to, not to you know, no. tell you what's right or wrong. No, no. no but correct it's, me what, it's, what more of, it's more of a – um, you know, if, if, if you're not cutting the mustard with your weight, you know, if, you know, it's not like he's calling the dad or, or, you know, this or that, or, you know, he lets them grow up. He, he lets them know, he holds them accountable in a unique way where there's not a lot of dialogue going on. And it, because the dialogue has already been done, the understanding has already been placed. And when he puts that understanding in there and there's a clear understanding of what's to happen and when it doesn't, you know, Ryland kind of, he's kind of the guy that kind of shrugs his shoulders and go, well, you, you made the mess live in it, <laughs> you know, figure it out. And he, he just, he, that's probably the thing that I like the most about his style is he's just very, very good at, at, you know, getting these kids to realize that and those, and those are the, um, the, the things that, you know, my kid, especially and. You know, growing up, he's that's kind of how it is at my house too. So it's that natural for him. Yeah. Uh, for some of these other guys, it can be tough because mm-hmm. their parents have kind of been doing it for them, or they, you know, they want them to, you know, have success. And when something's not going right, and the mom's calling the calling the coach, and Ryland's like, "Well, you know, I told them. Well, tell them again. Well, I told them once. You know, I mean, I told them once. They got to figure it out. <laughs> that kind of thing. And I love that about him." Yeah, I get what you're saying now. So, um, I grew up with a brother who was one year younger than me, and it was great from my point of view to have a training partner. And, you know, sometimes we were in each other's shadow. And there's, I think, so much, you know, I don't know, like maybe myth or hype about what it was like, you know, you and Tom growing up. So, tell me, what was it like when you guys were kids? You know, were you guys beating the hell out of each other, breaking furniture, or was it? Was it a lot more sane than that, or what was it like? Well, I think the stories are out there, and certainly when we were competing here, the stories were out there. And, um, you know, I know that when Gable came to our house, he was kind of, um, you know, kind of raised his eyebrows at our basement with the holes in the wall and all that stuff. Those are all true stories. And, Those are true. You know, okay. things where me and Tom would get into it upstairs, and my mom would go, take it downstairs, and... You know, we would take it downstairs, and then we were wrestling, so it was okay, even though we might have been, you know, crossing the line a little bit. She was good with it as long as we were down there on that mat. It was kind of like a like a sanctuary where, you know, we could solve our differences and not have mom running down our throat, you know? Yeah. Um, as far as the other thing, you, you know, I always, I always used to say if I didn't have a twin brother, I'd like to think that I would have aspired – the same and accomplished much more because <laughs> I, you know, I don't look at my career and feel like I had a great career. I feel like there was a lot of things left undone. Um, but he was a great partner in that and uh, a great workout partner in that and a great uh, um, uh, teammate. 
um, and those kind of things, and a great family member and a great brother. We don't, when we don't see eye to eye, we air our differences, and then there's no personal feelings held. And that's probably the best part of the whole thing is why I wanted to come back here is because when I disagree with him, we have it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, once we have it out, we both have an understanding, and I know that I'm here as the associate head coach, which is a fancy name for assistant. <laughs> and then ultimately, if we if we disagree at the end of the day, he's going to make the call. And I'm good with that. I'm okay with that. I know, you know, to say I know where my bread is buttered is a fair statement. I get it. And it, it sounds like, you know, you guys, when you do disagree, it's just on the topic, but you guys never let it bleed into anything personal, which I think is a good lesson for all of us just to learn in any important relationship, it seems like. It's never personal, and it's never personal, you know, even with other people. You know, that's one of the things that, you know, if I had to tell somebody that the way I'm most misunderstood is it's not personal, you know, after it happens. But, you know, you're going to come after our guy. Like, for instance, I'll give you an example. This last week at Oklahoma State, I'll be the first one to tell you we took it on the chin. They beat us up and down the lineup. They attacked us first. They attacked us harder. And, you know, for the most part, they won, they won those close matches. And, and, but they have a senior administrator freaking telling Gilman to get the F out of town. They're number three in command. That's crazy to me. And I'm not going to sit on my hands and not fight over it, you know. And those are the things that it's not personal to me. I don't take that carry to the next level, but what's fair is fair. You know, those are the things that, that are important to me is that I can stand up for my team and that if there's a difference between me and another coach or me and an administrator or me and another student athlete, it's dropped. As soon as that event is over, we walk off the mat, it's over for me. So whatever hard feelings, bygones or bygones, run to the next thing. Yeah, we're moving on. I don't have the energy, nor do I want to spend the energy on, you know, continuing to keep the drama there. Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned you used the word misunderstood, and I'm really interested in what – do you think are the perceived versus the real differences between you and your brother? The real differences are I probably am a little bit more um, forceful with my opinion. Okay. So I don't know. I don't really know how to elaborate on that. I would say that I'm more stubborn. I know what I want and I want what I want. (laughs) <laughs> a little bit more, if if that makes sense. And that doesn't mean that Tom doesn't want what he wants. He does, but he might be a little bit more patient um, and, and get there a little bit of a different way. Um, and both ways are equally good. You know, and I think that's why it works here. I think that's why, you know, our relationship works here. And I think that's why we, you know, we can create, you know, a, a really, really healthy environment for these student-athletes. I, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, like I told you, I had a brother or have a brother, and when we grew up, you know, people had all these misperceptions. What are what are the things that, like, you guys hear that's just absolute craziness on, you know, your guys' relationship that just is, you know, absolute falsehoods? I don't know if I hear anything. Um, you know, I, I think b- between us, I think people think that we're close, and if they don't think that we're not or they think that we're not close, and I really don't care. <laughs> um, the, the thing that, you know, might, might be, uh, a situation would be where, you know, like I'm the poor sport because, you know, I'm fighting for, I'll give you an example again. Uh, um, I'll give you an example. Like, let's say we take a tournament, let's say there's a match at the national tournament and both coaches are fighting for their guy. Well, somehow, you know, Brands is the hothead and then coach, whoever the other coach is. It's just fighting for his guy, you know, and that comes with Iowa, and I love that, and I love that, and I love the thing that I love the most about that is those guys are spending time on it. Yeah, they're talking about you instead of themselves, right? Or focusing on the things that are important, you know, and that's it's just funny, you know, it's just a it's a really it's it's a it's a um, you know when you're sitting here where I'm at, I love it. I I, I can't say it any better. Um, it's, it's part of it. I'm not going to change. They're never going to change me. I'm going to fight for our guy till the end of the world. And I know wrestling 
And uh, I know that I'm also not always right, but I do know wrestling. I know what stalling looks like, and I know what hard-nosed physical wrestling looks like. And I know what backing off the mat looks like. And I know what it looks like when a guy's uh, hanging on. And our guys hear it. When they're doing those things, when they're backing up or hanging on, they hear it from me the same as I, as, as I would say to an opponent. So you're, you just keep it. It doesn't matter which thing what the guy's wearing if he's not doing what he needs. It's objective. Yeah. And, and, and that's hard to say because when I say that I'm objective, then I'm the most subjective person in the world. And I get that. I understand that. Well, you mentioned the, the term forceful opinion and stubborn describing maybe the, the difference between you and Tom. And so I'm going to go a little bit off of what I was thinking of asking you. So let's say I'm wrestling for you and I'm, I'm struggling in position X, like I can't get up off bottom, which a lot of freshmen have the, the trouble with, and you feel like there's one way to do it, and I'm just not picking it up as quickly as I do, how or as I need to, rather. So how how would maybe the difference between how you and Tom or, or Morningstar or anybody else, how would you guys tackle that problem? I think technically it's it's um, it's different because technically is it's it's repetitions. And there's a lot of different ways to skin a cat, as they say. You can skin him from the head down. You can take him from the back legs down toward the head. You can hang him by their back legs. You can hang him by their throat. You can do it any way you want and skin that cat. Um, the key is, is are they progressing? Are they progressing? So I don't know that there's a big difference there um, with the technical side of it. A technique is something that you need to be very, very patient with. Um, and, and there are different ways to solve it. Fundamentally, I think that all three of us and with Burhow, all four of us are on the same page, you know, fundamentally. Now, Morningstar might do something a little bit different than Tom might do it, than I might do it, than Burhow might do it, but fundamentally we're all on the same page. So let me use that same example. Let's just say I've got a confidence problem. Like I've done the repetitions and you've seen me do it enough in practice that when I do it and I believe in myself, I can do it, but I just can't get myself to pull the trigger, or you can tell I don't believe in myself when I put that headgear on. How do, how would you help somebody in that scenario? Confidence is something that you develop at a very long, young age. To say that I don't have confidence is, is you're lying to yourself. Confidence is because if you didn't have confidence, you'd still be crawling on the floor. Because every time you got up and fell, and the one time that you got up and fell and hit your head on the corner of the coffee table, you had to get up again or you wouldn't be walking. You'd still be crawling through the mud. And like so that. confidence is something that you have. It's inside of you. It's a God-given attribute that we all have. So to say that a kid's not confident, it, I, I don't know that I do that. I And I and I use that analogy a lot. And, and you know, it's it's more of a a repetition thing, you know, to get a guy to believe in what they want to do here, to believe in their coach, they got to believe in themselves first. And, you know, that may be a, a thing that you, you know, hit from a lot of different angles. You can be scared of winning and you can be scared of losing. And they both, they both are completely different, but they both wind you up at the same place. And that might be afraid to pull the trigger. Yeah. So, you know, you deal with it accordingly and you move forward and without getting into some serious mindset stuff um, that would be, you know, I guess the the um, short end or the short story to that. No, that makes sense. It makes sense a lot. And you mentioned mindset. So, you know, one of the things that that I, I noticed, and I'm sure I'm not alone in this, is that for years, you know, Iowa guys would win, and it almost like they didn't want their arm raised. They were just running off to do the next thing. And Clearly, it showed an expectation of winning, and unless it's the very last match, I've got something next to do. And even if it's nationals, I'm going to go try to make the world team or win the Olympics, whatever the case may be. What What are the mindset, you know, drills or techniques or strategies you do with these guys? And, and what kind of mindset are you looking for in kids when you're recruiting them to Iowa? Well, you create a, an environment that they can thrive in. That's positive. That's also accountable. It has to be both of those, and that's where a lot of, you know, young coaches can miss it, you know. Mm-hmm. that's That would probably be the best thing, a healthy environment to learn and to be able to, you know, you talked about mistakes and, 
that kind of thing. They got to be able to make mistakes and know that they're getting better while they're doing it. It's kind of like we talk about a fight meter here. You know, it's not. There's no scoreboard in our practice room, and there's a reason for that. We we measure that fight by watching your attitude, watching how hard you're fighting, watching how hard you're coming up off the bottom. Even if you're not getting away for 20 minutes against, you know, uh, Corey Clark. Are you is your head off the mat? Are you working? Are you coming up? Are you laying with your head down on the mat, grabbing your own hand, just hoping not to get turned and trying to survive? You know, those are the things that you talk about there. The mindset part. Here's here's the deal. When you talk about when you talk about confidence and all this and all that, the bottom line is: Are you doing the right things? Are you eating right? Are you hydrating? Are you fueled properly? Are you sleeping? Are you going to class? Are you getting your academics in line? Are you working hard? Are you coming back on your own? Because everybody's doing the workout uh, when the coaches are here and it's mandatory. Right. What are you doing in the morning if it's not a mandatory day in the morning? What are you doing at night at, you know, 8.30 or 9 o'clock at night if it's not a mandatory night workout? Are you coming in? Are you are you pounding that aerodyne? Are you hitting that weight room? Are you getting on the rope? Are you drilling? Are you drilling again and then drilling again and getting, you know, those two to 3,000 reps a month where – you can start to make a make a, a a huge improvement in your technique over a period of you know four to five months during the season during the season during the season, let alone what's going on off season. That's really where it's at. And a confidence issue is basically a kid that could be maybe you have a really really solid kid, and you go I just don't know if I have the confidence. Well, where does that come from? Where does that come from? So you got to figure it out with them, and you talk to them. You tell them that you tell them the story about you know the walking and uh-huh. and uh, you know the Martin Luther King quote: "If you can't fly, run. If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, crawl." Uh-huh. You know that's a that's a great quote. It doesn't mean yeah. that because I can't fly that I crawl. It means that I can't fly. Well, I'm going to run. Uh-huh. You take my running away, I'm going to walk, and I'm going to walk really, really brisk. You know, that kind of a thing. And that's a great, great attitude to have. Yeah, it makes so much sense. And you can tell how passionate you guys are in that. And it seems like your mindset, your teams, like you get into the heads of the opponents. I mean, like, you know, I'm watching the Midlands finals and I'm watching what's going on at 157 and then all the commentary afterwards. You know, why do you think you guys are so polarizing and that, you know, like a Tyler Berger and obviously there's, you know, kids at all different programs that they, they feel like they need to react to what you're doing and what your program's doing? I don't know. All I know is that we're not that way, and I, I didn't even know that he was he was reacting, and, you know, I'm I'm fine with it. It wasn't personal, but I, I'm rooting for Kemmerer 100 times out of 100 times, and if he doesn't <laughs> like that, then, then he should transfer to Iowa. I mean, that's just plain and simple. And I probably broke a recruiting rule there, but you can take it in context. You know, you can take that in context. So that that's the kind of thing that, you know, I, I don't lose sleep over. I realize that it comes with a territory here. Um, you know, there's programs we 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 all know it. We all know it. We saw it last year on a couple of occasions with our program where we were singled out and and nobody stepped up. Nobody stepped up. I mean, you know what? It comes with a territory. That's why I love it here. The standard is great. Our fans don't give us any don't give us any uh, quarter. They want the best. They want us to put the best damn team in the country on the mat. And if we're not doing it, we hear we hear it from them every day. And I'm good with that. I'm good with that. That's the standard Gable, you know, placed. And you know, we got to be ready to you know exceed what he put in place here. Yeah, you guys, you guys have set the bar very high, and and you you steer right into that and want to keep it that way. I get that. So. What is it like to wear that singlet and run out in Carver Hawkeye Arena? I mean, do you feel literally the energy in your body changes for the better? Do you feel it when, you know, in your tough match and you can not only your cardio and your mental strength, but do you, do you see that crowd wear the other guy down a little bit in, in your time as a coach or as a competitor? I don't. I, I think that there's something there maybe, but some guys thrive in an enemy arena. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we love, we, we love to be at home, but, you know, there's nothing better than being in a, 
being at Carver Hawk Arena unless you're in an enemy hostile environment. You know, that's that's kinda how I was as a competitor and as a coach. I love going to those places where it's like going into a beehive, you know, and you're right there in it and they, they got their chairs right on the mat and you know, that stuff, yeah, that's competition. That stuff is uh that's the those are the things that, you know, keep you going and and, and the, the small arenas where fifty people show up, it's the same to me. It doesn't matter. It's the old, you know, the old slogan. We're getting ready no matter what. We'll take it any way, either way, or always. It don't matter. And so you have to find meaning in that. You know, our recruiting class and our commitments that we've had with with a couple of juniors and then, you know, these guys that we just signed, they're coming here because they like us. And they feel they feel like they can thrive here. They feel like this is a really, really great place to learn how to wrestle and 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 uh, take them take their mentalities and their wrestling and their technique and their mindsets to a whole new level. That's why they're coming here, you know. So it, it doesn't really matter what 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 I sell as a competitor. I want them to express themselves and manifest themselves in their own personalities when they put that singlet on. Yeah, it makes sense. So you mentioned loving to walk into the beehive. Were there are there certain places in particular that you as a coach or when you were wrestling that you love to walk into like is Gallagher Iba or Penn State or those kind of places you go you're licking your chops waiting to go into places like that I'll tell you what I had a lot of fun in East Lansing Michigan the same as I would if we went to state college this year and that's what I mean I love it I love the beehive but I to me it's all a beehive (laughs) <laughs> you know, you you don't think that you don't think that those guys were were land for us at a couple of weights. If their mentalities were right, they were land for us with ten weights. Uh-huh. You know, and we don't go into you know Michigan State saying, "Oh, we got it easy today." I, that would be crazy to me, <laughs> right? You know, as a coach, and it would set our guys up for for uh, um, a, a lacking effort, and that's what you don't want. You want these guys to hone themselves. And to get better, the more that you practice getting up for a match, the more and the better you're going to be able to get up for every match. And when you truly, truly, truly have the greatest test of your lifetime, because of the way that you put energy into getting ready for every match, you're going to be at your best. That's how I was raised. That's how Gable was. That's how he coached. And uh, I, I, I would say that I'm no different there. Makes sense. I know you've had a chance to wrestle all over the world was there i mean i remember growing up and i think i'm maybe just a couple years older than you or close to the same age and i remember reading about dave schultz and tbilisi and you know how those fans turned from being against him to for him and you know i wasn't ever good enough to wrestle at that level but you've obviously wrestled at, at all these different places is there a place or two that really sticks out to you as a place where either you know you you won the crowd over or it was awesome because they just we're hating you and you won anyway, or, you know, can you share? Well, that's a, that's a two point question there. And, and number one, probably the best compliment in my opinion that I've ever gotten mm-hmm. was when Kudakov, when Bessek Kudakov said that, you know, his favorite wrestlers were the Brands brothers. He, he, <laughs> he wants to emulate our style. That was a big compliment to me. Um, you know, so that, that's number one. And he was a Russian and I loved competing in Russia and I loved competing in Iran. And I loved wrestling the Russians. I loved wrestling Iran and Azerbaijan and in Armenia and Turkey and those guys, those, all of those countries, you know, they, and, and more and more, you know, you've you got to be ready to go over there. That you, you, They make a name for themselves when they wrestle an American and beat them. And you got to be on your, you got to be on your uh, best. You know, I was over there as a coach with USA Wrestling and, we had a world champion on the mat, and he got beat by a Russian that nobody had ever heard of before because he didn't get ready. And then, you know, my friend from uh, Baradia, Russia, which is down, you know, off the border of Mongolia, Maxim Milanov, he goes, that guy's not even top ten in Russia. How did he beat the world champion? You know, so you got to get ready. That's why going over there is so valuable. That's why, you know, when we, when we have put this Hawkeye Wrestling Club together, we, we want the funds to be able to send these guys overseas into these hostile environments. Um, and ultimately, yeah, you can win the crowd. 
And they do love champions. They do love champions. But you know what? They don't really like champions until after you're retired. <laughs> then they remember, yeah, you wrestle hard, you wrestle hard. But when you're doing it to them, they don't like it. There's <laughs> probably a lot of truth in that. <laughs> you, don't yeah. get your, you don't get your respect or due until it's over, right? Right. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your responsibilities between the coaching part at Iowa, the recruiting for Iowa, and then your your involvement with the Hawkeye Wrestling Club. How does how does a, a day in the life or a week in the life of, of Terry Brands t- typically go? Well, it's development, and it's development individually with you know our thirty six guys, and it's development individually with our Hawkeye Wrestling Club. The thing with our Hawkeye Wrestling Club is, is these guys they know what they need and they need to get it. And um, we're there to help, but for the most part, they they do a great job, especially with our restructure now. You know, we brought in some some uh, guys that aren't as accomplished um, with the Dardanes brothers, um, but they are so awesome. They are pure wrestlers, mm-hmm. and we needed we needed that energy in here. And that's not to take away from you know Medcalf who has moved on, um, or you know Ramos who has moved on. That's not to take away from those guys, but. These guys, they want to wrestle. They're on the mat all the time. I'm really, really impressed with the pureness that they approach the sport with. Um, it's been healthy for our guys uh, to see that. And, um, you know, so it's a development piece with our team. It's a development piece with the Hawkeye Wrestling Club. You know, we're getting ready to wrestle Penn State. we got to be ready at 10 weight classes to wrestle Penn State. And we're getting, you know, 36 guys rest ready to wrestle Penn State at individual levels amongst themselves. And it just, it never ends. You know, when the season's over, it's not really over because you're really, you're halfway in between, you know, getting ready for the U.S. Open at the same time. So it, you're never really over. Right. And it's seamless. It's seamless, you know. Just transition from one to the other. So, in a, in a given day, you you'll be coaching folk style, coaching freestyle, making recruiting calls. You know, all it it just depends on what the biggest priority is that day. Is that a fair statement? There, no, because it's yeah, it's a fair statement. But they're it's all they're all priority. They're all priority, and I don't believe in the pie shaped stuff. You know, the pie shaped philosophy where oh, I'm married and I have a wife and two kids, and I'm a wrestling coach, and I want to go to the mall. So I'm going to do, let's see, I better give Michelle 50%, and I better give Nelson and Sydney, you know, 30, so that's 15 apiece. Let's see, now I have 80% done. I got 20% left, or maybe I got to give my job 70. I don't believe in that. I believe that when I'm here, I'm in 100%. When I'm with my wife, I'm with her, I'm in 100%. When I'm with Nelson and I'm having a discussion with him, I'm in 100%. When I'm with Sydney, I'm with her, and I'm 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 in 100% attentive to her needs, and what she's saying, and what she needs. And the same thing here in this program. I believe that. I believe in the 100% theory. And if I want to go to the mall and chill out or go to a movie, I'm doing that 100%. <laughs> and I'm going to the movie. I'm going to relax, and I'm going to chill out, and I'm going to you know do what I got to do to get my mind where I need to get my mind for the next thing that's the next next task that's in front of me. That's my own personal philosophy, and uh, it's worked really, really well for me. It's a biblical principle, you know. It's it's something that I didn't make up. It's something that you know I took, I took, and my understanding of you know the the New Testament and, and being a believer. That's really what it what what it says to me. That makes sense. So, when I'm kind of a nerd and like to look at how national championship teams are composed and. I look at the top programs, and it seems like in most of them, 50 to 60% of the starters in any given year are in-state guys. And then, you know, the good schools go cherry-pick the best kids that they can get from these other states. And it's been very, very interesting and enlightening watching the success you guys have had in Pennsylvania in in recent years. And I'm, I'm very interested in hearing how how you feel like that's happening, you know, how how many years it took to build inroads there and 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 your philosophy on on how that's going. Well, I think that you hit it on the head. You want you want to get the best in-state kids. And when you do that, that's a great foundation. Um and then you go out and you, you know, lay the rest of it with the best talent that you can find 
Um, and when I talk about talent, I mean mindset. Mindset to me is talent also. So, you know, like this class that we signed, you know, some of these guys and these commitments that we have, um, you know, that are outside of the state of Iowa, you know, that's really, really important. And the reason why they feel uh, really, really welcome here is because that the mindset of the entire program is what they want and what they are going to need to thrive, and they know that. And they know that. So it's not really about being from Iowa or being from Pennsylvania or being from Ohio or Oklahoma or, you know, whatever. It's about being in an environment that that is compatible with what you're trying to accomplish and how you want to accomplish it. Okay. So when you get into these specific things, like, you know, if I'm the coach at XYZ University and there's a top 10 kid in the country that happens to go to Iowa City West, and, and I'm able to come in and get them, that's obviously going to raise eyebrows that that kid didn't go to one of the Iowa universities that are Division One. So when you're getting the kids you've gotten out of Pennsylvania, and I, I'm not going to even mention names. I don't know what it has to do with recruiting. You know, I don't want to say anything like that, but we all know who these big guys are that you've gotten. You know, is that a concentrated effort to go into Pennsylvania or just happens to be that these were the guys that you felt like fit your program and they happened to be there? Well, I think the, the inroads have already been there with Jody Strittmatter. Jody Strittmatter, it's no secret that, you know, he came to Iowa and my relationship and Tom's relationship with him is rock solid. Mm-hmm. You know, I coached him. He is, you know, one of the hardest working, most attentive, most detailed student athlete I ever had here. Um, and, you know, that says a lot about him, and he's taken what he learned here. He's taken what he learned at Johnstown. He's taken what he learned from his parents growing up and from his high school years, and he's put his own personality and his own style to it and look at what he's created. So those inroads are there. And, you know, we know that when he when he talks and we call him and when he gives an opinion and it's a high opinion, we know that that's important that we pay attention because I believe him. I believe him. And so that, you know, then you start the process. Um, those guys know us. Those, those guys know us. You know, it's like that interview I did this summer um, when we got a commitment from, you know, one of the best guys maybe that's that's come out of PA in a long, long time. And why would he go to Iowa? Holy smokes. I mean, blah, blah, blah. Well, he likes us. <laughs> you know, he likes us. He 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 spent time around us. He, you know, I was around him, and Tom was around him, and you know, our, we were around him when when he was on campus, an unofficial visit, and we were around him at training camps, national training camps in Colorado. And you know, you would be sitting in the cafeteria, and there would be, you know, five or six, seven college coaches there, and he'd pick your table to sit at. You know, it's fun. They want to sit by you. <laughs> you know, they like you. They like your mentality. I mean, is there anything wrong with a kid wanting to come to Iowa? And it blows their mind. Well, they're just robots, and they, you know, and those development pieces. And it's just simply not true, you know. We we are hard-nosed, and we are. We do have an extremely high standard. But is that bad? Well, not to a lot of these guys that come here. It's not. And it's worked out well for them. Yeah, for sure. And. It, that actually leads me to my next question. I mean, obviously, Iowa's been a great program at all weights, but the the lineage at the lightweights, and you know, I don't want to name a bunch of names because I don't want to forget anybody, but all the All-Americans and national champions, and you and your brothers, brother were obviously a big part of that. And now to bring in, like, Teasdale and Spencer Lee and these guys, and I know Spencer went to Rio with uh, Daniel Dennis, what have you learned about him so far now that, you know, you, like you were mentioning that he sits at your table and those kind of things. What's what's your experience been like with him so far? Well, I'll just – I don't want to get into that because I, I know that he signed a letter of intent, but I, I don't even want to have anybody calling our compliance. Okay, fair enough. And, yeah. and then they got to go listen to this interview, <laughs> and then they got to make sure I didn't break a rule, and then they got to do this That's and that. Right. So I'm not even going to comment on Spencer. Okay. But I'll tell you from general – um, you know, these guys, they are wrestling people. They are wrestling people. They have really, really high aspirations for their careers in the sport of wrestling. Um, most of them are really, really strong academically. Um, a few of them maybe need to pay attention to their academics a little bit more. 
But when you can get them to understand that, hey, just pay attention to your academics the same way you do with your wrestling, you'll excel. You know, everything will work out just fine in the classroom. And they're seeing that. They're seeing that that philosophy, you know, is is overwhelmingly successful. And, you know, those are the things that we're seeing with these guys and, and um, you know, and why why they're leaving, you know, when they're two hours from one program, you know, and they're 10 hours from another program, why they're taking the journey 10 hours. And uh, I'm not surprised. I really am not surprised. Um I I I think it, it I think it speaks a lot about the compatibility of our mindsets, about our emotional um, setups, um, about what our ideas are for the sport of wrestling and what this great institution has to offer. Period. Yeah, I I, I think that I think if guys from what I you know from what I've observed about you guys, either you buy into what you guys do or it's, it's not going to be a good fit. So. I want to shift gears on you because this is a really interesting question to me. What goes into the red shirt decision-making process at Iowa? Because there are schools that seem like they start guys as soon as they can. There's other schools that they seem like they play it by ear. At Iowa, it seems like something special has to happen for you not to red shirt. So what, what is your guys' thought process on that? We definitely want them to be ready emotionally, um, you know, physically, obviously, but emotionally and mentally, most important. And you know, we have we you know we're in a situation right now with one of our guys, and he could go and contend right now, but is that the best thing for him? You know, is he is he really ready for that? Well, probably, probably. But we got to make sure we got to make sure because we want to do the right thing for him. And, and, and really, it doesn't really matter about his family, but it does because he's in partnership with his family. And if he has stress coming from the family um, about what, he, what are they thinking, why are they thinking that, that's not healthy either. So you got to get everybody on the same page. You know, you want, you want us on the same page as a student athlete, and you want us on the same page with the parents, and the parents need to understand fully what we're why we're thinking this way and what our decisions are, why we're kind of leaning a certain way with a decision. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, they don't have to necessarily agree, but the parents don't, but you want them to at least understand where you're coming from. And then the student athlete and your coach, you know, you want to, you want to have a, a compatible agreement there where, yeah, yeah, I'm ready to do this or, you know what, he, he wants to go or we want him to go and he doesn't want to go or we don't want him to go, you know, then, uh, you know, you talk it out. You yeah. talk it out. And, you know, what Lincoln McElravey did is very unique. Right. You know, there's been there's been guys that have won national titles without red shirting, but Lincoln McElravey, they, we, I guess, Gable, pulled <laughs> him late. Right. Pulled him late. And that was very unique. So it doesn't mean that he's more mentally tough than, you know, our guy, Marinelli, or that he, you know, it, it, you know, whatever. It means that he was ready to go. We knew he was ready to go. He knew he was ready to go. And, it, by the way, he lost his first match out. Yeah, I remember And you would have thought, yeah. and you would have thought the freaking roof fell out of Carver Hawkeye Arena. <laughs> you know, everybody wanted Gable's head on a platter. And you know what? He knew it was the right decision, and he didn't panic. And you know you draw on those experiences and that kind of a thing. And that's not to say that Marinelli isn't as tough as McElravey, because he is. See, I like Marinelli. In fact, they remind me a lot of each other. Their body types, their explosiveness, the way that they recover. You know, those things, they, they remind me a lot of each other, their, their uh, mindset. So, you know, it's just we got to do the right thing. That's what it boils down to. Your answer, your answer is very interesting, and it's it's almost interesting. Or what one part that's really interesting to me is what you didn't discuss, which is how it would affect the team race. Because there's guys like me and Andy Hamilton, and we're you know we do our podcast, but we talk a lot off the air, obviously, and we're like, well, you know, if Iowa scores, this guy jumps in and scores this point, or Oklahoma State does this, or Penn State, or Ohio State, or whatever the case may be, and obviously Marinelli's, you know, with Andy being up there, and I know you guys have a great relationship, and does that go into your process at all? If you go, hey, we think Alex Marinelli can score this many points, and we think that's enough for us to win the team title. Does, is that 
anywhere in the process? Not at all? It has to be the right thing for the kid. If Marinelli, here's the thing, is Marinelli ready to contend for the national championship? That's what it has to do with. Not can he get fifth. If he can get fifth, we're going to pull him out of red shirt. That's not fair to him. And so it, it from our perspective, is is the individual ready to contend for a national championship at his individual weight class? And And that's it. That's it. And the points and this and that, yeah, I mean, could he get, he could, could he, yeah, well, he, well, he, could, well, he could finish anywhere from, <laughs> from sixth to third, but he's not going to beat Martinez. Well, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I watched that match at Midlands against Martinez. I like our guy. And that's not a hit on their guy, but he's our guy. Right. I guy. believe in our people. That's I right. believe in what we have here. So ultimately it is the best thing for him is when he's ready to contend and he is ready to contend. He is ready to contend. So you got to kind of read between the lines. I'm not going to go into the full depth because there's, you know, there's some other things that are going on. Coach, I thought we were going to break news here, and you were going to tell me he's coming out of red shirt today. We're not going to do that? No, Andy Hamilton will get that call first. <laughs> that, he deserves that. That's fair. So, yeah. Um, so one of the other things that really struck me, uh, you know, just doing the research for this interview was some of the parallels between your life and uh, the life of Daniel Dennis, when you guys had struggles and kind of went away for a while, did, do you see those as parallels, and did that help you be a better coach to Daniel? Well, that's a really – that's a great question, and I would say very profound or perceptive also because the funny thing is there is after the national tournament, and, then I, you know, i got to be careful because, you know, we, we did have some really, really close heart-to-hearts. And when he lost that barn burner to uh, – Ness uh, from Minnesota, mm -hmm. and you know he he did not understand. I mean, he said some things that to me were mind blowing, um, and I don't necessarily need to tell you what they were, but things that aren't healthy to think. Okay. And you know that was the hardest thing with me is if I if if we could have had a snapshot into this, you know, before this match. You know, I think I think we could have exercised that demon a little earlier than 2016. Um, that kind of a thing. So, yeah, those are, that's a great question. The, the the parallel is there isn't one in the sense that we're both our own individual. Of course, Dan Dennis is his own individual. He's a free spirit. The way that he thinks isn't necessarily better or worse than the way that I think, but it's unique. But we have a lot of compatibilities also. And the way that he thinks that's maybe unique to the way that I think is very, very beneficial to this program and this team. And it was beneficial to him moving forward. And the way that I think is that he doesn't think is also very beneficial to this program and very beneficial to me moving forward. So, you know, that's kind of, you know, where you're at with that. And, and he... He did some things that were that needed to happen. He he did some things in his lifestyle that needed to happen. And he got relaxed and he found his gear and he went for it. And you have a guy who made an Olympic team and fell way, way, way short of his aspiration of being an Olympic gold medalist. Right. He still did more than 99.9% .9 of us will ever accomplish in our lives. And, you know, I, that may not be a comfort to him, but, you know, the rest of us that love wrestling think what he did was amazing just making it that far. So when you are preparing him and you're coaching a Tony Ramos and they're at the same weight and they're in the same room, obviously we all have it. Well, all of us had a million questions like that. Do they train with each other? Do they train at the same time? You know, are they side by side? How, how did that work? They were side by side, obviously, in our workouts that were that were um, common time workouts, or you know where when our HWC practice was, um, and then they would do their own thing in the morning or whatever. If we had a you know a run or a whatever in the morning, then they would be there together, or the same thing at night. But you know at night they were kind of on their own doing their thing on the days that we didn't have those those um, you know common time gatherings, I guess if you want to call it that. They would be doing their own thing. But, yeah, they trained side by side. They did not work out with each other much. 
Um, and it was it was tense, and especially when, you know, when Daniel was at 61, it wasn't a big deal, but you knew it was coming. Right. You know, he, he's not he's not a 65 guy, and you know he was definitely uh, disciplined, and um, uh, uh, he he was just so disciplined and so focused that you knew he could carve his body down and do it the right way and be very very competitive, and it showed. Yeah, he did a great job, and. When, when obviously when Tony left there and went to North Carolina, he had some, you know, some obviously some things to say about everybody. He made a point of saying some very positive things about you. What was your takeaway from that whole press conference and, and all the fallout from that? You know what? I, I don't know what my takeaway was. I know that I, that, that, that night was, was a long night and I was at Tony's house for a really, really, really long time. Yeah. Um, and you know, I was I was there, and I heard him out, and he he had some complaints, and it really doesn't matter if I think they were fair or not. He he they were his complaints that he felt like were justified, and I'm not going to tell a grown man how to think. You know, Tony Ramos is who Tony Ramos is, and and he's got to sort that out in his mind. So you know, that's that's kind of where that was, and and I I you know. The, the bottom line to me is the story should have been, hey, it took a Hawkeye to knock me out of there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was tough, though, right? Because, I mean, you, I'm sure you love both those guys, and you knew one of them had to fall short of the I, goal. Right? I told them both. I told them both very early in the process that I was going to be in Ramos's corner for the competition and that I would do anything to help both of them. And I did not coach one to beat the other. Um and I helped them. I helped add to their wrestling the best that I could as a coach. And they knew that very, very early in the process. And, you know, I heard a gripe from one of them early, you know, maybe three months out of the trials about how, man, he, he's coaching the other guy to beat me. And I took that, I headed that off right away. And I went to that individual, and I man-to-man, face-to-face, eye-to-eye, said, do you really believe that, what you said? Well, no, I meant, and then I was like, okay, well, that's different than saying it, because if you believe that, we need to we need to speak and air out our differences. And that was really the only time up until, you know, that, that, that night that, you know, things were cattywampus. Yeah, and that's got to be the biggest difference, right? Because, like, if I'm wrestling for Oklahoma State or Penn State or Ohio State or any of the other 70-some-odd schools and you're coaching, you know, Corey Clark and he's got to beat David Maricatani, you're going to coach him to beat me specifically. But in this situation, it was different. You're just trying to make Corey Clark better and David Maricatani better and let the best man win. So it's not necessarily because I coach our guys to become the best wrestlers they can become. How do how do you know that Tony Ramos was going to be in that final? How do I know? How does Ramos know that Dennis was going to be in that final? You got to get ready for doggone Dan. Dennis had to be ready for uh, Coleman Scott. Right. Coleman right. Scott was an eyelash away from 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 beating Ramos. Mm-hmm. You know, and Graf had ten pointed Dennis earlier in November of the same cycle year of the same Olympic year in 2015. How do you know that? I mean, how does Ramos know that it's not going to be Dennis? It might be. It might be uh, uh, graph, and so you know you got to be careful how you're going forward. Because all of a sudden you can find your guy up against a guy that you weren't getting ready for. No, I'm going to get him ready to be the best wrestler he can become and be relaxed. And he's aware of those guys. He's aware of Dennis. Was aware of Ramos. He was aware of Graff. He's aware of Coleman Scott. He was aware of uh, uh, Garnett. All those guys they had to be aware of. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It definitely has to go that way. So I think one of the interesting other things that's interesting about about you and your situation is obviously you're incredibly well respected as a as a coach. And so when head coaching jobs come open, your name is you know on the message boards, on the short list. I mean, we don't always know how true that is. But it's unique because I think when the outside go, well, does he really want to leave Iowa? He's an Iowa guy. Does he really want to leave literally family? So what are your head coaching aspirations, Terry? The right program, I would definitely look. Oklahoma was an extreme interest in me, uh, for me. Um, 
you know, but just because my name comes up on a message board doesn't mean that I've been contacted. I mean, Oklahoma contacted Zeke Jones. You think Zeke Jones wants me down in Oklahoma? <laughs> Why are they calling Zeke Jones about Terry Brands? Call Terry Brands about Terry Brands. You know, Zeke Jones, he comes up to me in Rio and he goes, Oklahoma called me about you. And I go, yeah, I bet you had a lot of good things to say, you know, that kind of thing. He doesn't want me there. And, you know, Roselli is a great choice and the best choice because that's who they wanted, that's who they went after, and that's who they got. So good for them. But, you know, you know, as far as just because I'm on a short list, that's that's you guys trying to make a living and then all the other fans trying to freaking be relevant in a world that has become, you know, uh, electronic on the computers. So, you know, that's a lot of that is, yeah, the right program, you know, definitely interests me. And- but... You know, like you said, you're, 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 I'm in Iowa, man. This place did a lot for me. And, uh, I want to, I want to continue to give everything I have and pour everything I have and all my positive energy into this place. Yeah. I, so let's say you got the head coaching job at XYZ University and, and it's a place that interested you and certainly not going to mention a school. And that school comes into Carver Hawkeye. Can, what is you know? Would that be a difficult thing to get your brain wrapped around, or you're like, nah, it's just no, business, and we just come in? No, absolutely not. I called Jim Zaleski all three years that I was at Chattanooga, begging him to come to Carver. Never got past the secretary. <laughs> uh, you know, I went down to Oklahoma to Stillwater three years in a row, and the second year, John Smith goes, oh, I suppose you want us to come to Chattanooga. I go, no, I'll come to Oklahoma State. And I call him the third year, and he goes, oh, I guess you want us to make the trip. I go, no, I'll come to Oklahoma State. You know, we went three years in a row, and I would still be going there if I was still at Chattanooga because I want to put myself in a in a great environment as much as I can and get these guys to realize. So, you know, it, you know, when you go to another program, you know, it's about winning. It's about doing justice for the people that you recruit and the people that you have under your watch. The guys that you didn't recruit, and when you take over a program, and and, and you're and you're the now you're the head coach, you have an obligation to those guys who you didn't recruit. Just because they're not my guys, quote unquote, doesn't mean that I that I can, you know, ah, we'll just get them through and then we'll send them. No, they're going to be alumni of a of an institution, and you want them to have a great experience. You want them to hit that those aspirations that they have and, and climb that podium as high as they can get it, and get, get them to believe that they're contenders and that they can win it all. And if they fall short, at least they have that good feel and that good taste in their mouth. I like that. I like that. Um, one last question, and you've been awesome with your time. I truly appreciate it. What What do you feel like your team, this year's team, the Iowa Hawkeyes, what what areas of improvement do you guys have to make or what specific improvements you guys have to make to be the national champions come March? We have to make some improvements that you know. You know, when you, when you said you and Andy talk, uh-huh. You guys have probably already talked about it. You know, we we got to get, you know, a lineup that is contending for the national championship at every individual weight class. And when we get that together, then we're going to be then we're going to be where you want to be at the end of the year. And you know, well, well, just you know, get them to get them to believe that. You say, well, it's a lot more to that. You know, all the things that we talked about over the last hour. Um, are critical to that. You know, you mentioned you started with confidence. And then I, you know, I kind of went from there and went into the emotional and the, and the, and the uh, you know, the ready state of mind and the mindset and the mental toughness and, uh, you know, the, the maturity piece and all that. And you're talking about these things. And, and you know, it's different for each guy. Their minds are unique. You know, that's that's part of the free will that God gave us. You have to you have to understand what they're thinking to get through to a guy like uh, we talked about Alex Marinelli um, is different than talking to Thomas Gilman. You know, in a lot of ways they're similar, but in a lot of ways they're also different. And their experience are different. Where they grew up are different. Their family lives might be a little bit different, you know. So, you know, all of that goes into that. And you want to bring that, you know, to each individual and not make it generic. They, they, they are unique and, you know, they, they need to learn to relax and have fun, but boom, put it together when it's time to put it together too. You know, that kind of a thing. So, you know, so that's, that's where that would be at. Um, 
and then you probably want to follow up and go, well, how close are you? And I, you know, I'm going to tell you, I don't make predictions. You know, to ask Andy, you know, I don't make predictions. I know Tom doesn't make predictions. And, you know, we we feel like we're going to have our guys as ready as they can go when it's time to go. I know you're smart enough of them. You're not going to answer the prediction question, Coach. So I wouldn't waste your time with that. All right. Well, I appreciate it. <laughs> I tried to come up with a few good questions for the interview. I hope I, hope I did okay with you. So You uh, did awesome. I love it. I really appreciate it. Well, I'm a big fan of excellence and hard work in, in any area of life, and, and you and your brother and that program, you know, whether people love or hate Iowa, they got to respect you guys for what you do. I personally want to thank you when we spoke about doing this interview that you said absolutely nothing was off limits. That meant the world to me. Um, one of the quotes I'm going to take away is that mindset is a talent, and talked about your 100% theory. I appreciate you committing 100% to this interview and for giving me so much time, Coach. Well, I appreciate it. And, and you guys, and I think, are you with track? Yes, sir. You and Andy Hamilton, and I, you know what I think of Andy Hamilton. And, you know, if we were going to lose him to somebody, then, you know, it was going to be probably track. And, you know, I kind of felt that coming for a while. So, you know, keep it going, and, and uh, we'll see you down the road. But anytime you need something from us, we'll do what we can to oblige you. And I appreciate your time and, you know, letting us get, uh, you know, get in front of you guys and maybe give us a little bit of, um, where we can build some, some new fans because of it. So appreciate it. I think people are going to love this interview, Terry. I really do. Ladies and gentlemen, that was an amazing talk with Terry Brands. I'll talk to you all next week on Matt Chat. is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.